Okay, so every blessing to you all, and welcome back to my open air pulpit. I made a video last week called When Babylon Falls, What Every Catholic Must Know. And as I was watching the playbacks, I thought to myself, I didn't mention this, and I didn't mention that, and what about this, and what about that? So I thought, well, what I'll do is I'll put a bit of time aside this morning and uh, just give some additional thoughts to my last message. I don't know how many videos I've made over the last <laughs> eight, nine years, and even with a script in front of you, and I don't use a script, but even if you had a script in front of you, you always come across things that you could have said or further elaborated on. So open your Bibles, please. And uh, let's take a look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 21, please. And I gave a space to repent of a fornication, and she repented not, concerning Jezebel, from verse 20, concerning the great whore of Rome, mystery Babylon. Catholicism as a system is finished. Catholicism as a system cannot be reformed. And what we are experiencing as Bible-believing Christians, on the one hand, is the growth of the whore, and yet, on the other hand, the diminishing of the whore. Most Catholics don't obey their priests like they once did. For example, when I was growing up, I used to go to Mass on a Sunday, but before going to Mass on a Sunday, I would go to confession on a Saturday morning before the following day being Sunday, and they eventually allowed Catholics to go to Mass on a Saturday evening. But you couldn't go to Mass Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, or Saturday evening, until you've gone to confession Saturday morning. And the reason for that, of course, is that they believe when you read the uh, Word of God, and they do read some scripture during their services, but they don't explain it, of course, but when you go to the Mass, when the priest holds up the Eucharist, they believe it's the literal body, the literal flesh of the Lord Jesus Christ, and therefore to be worthy, so-called, to receive it, you have to confess all of your sins to the priest. And yet the priest doesn't confess his sins to the laity. The laity confess their sins to the priest, those that are good Catholics, you understand, most don't bother, but those that do, and those that go to confession, will open their hearts to the priest and tell him all their inner thoughts, all their grubby sins, so on and so forth, but he won't confess his sins to you if you are a Catholic. And they use James 5 to uh, suggest that such a scripture gives them credence for doing that. But James 5 speaks about confessing your faults, not sins, but faults to one another, which includes the laity and the clergy. And of course, you know that in the early church there was no laity and clergy. I'm simply approaching that from the mindset of a Catholic. So even if you were to take James 5 literally and put it on a Catholic, James 5 tells you that you have to confess your faults to one another, not sins. But even if it was in reference to sins, when was the last time a priest would confess his sins to the laity? Never. In fact, I remember Catholics that we used to know, Patrick and I, that wouldn't go to the local church to confess their sins to the priest because the priest knew who they were. They would go to another church, maybe two or three miles on the road, and confess their sins to that priest. But we, as Bible believers, have a high priest in heaven. And we as Bible believers go straight to the high priest and we confess our faults, our sins to him. When we, uh, when we sin, when we stumble, 
and of course we will we will sin and we will stumble and if you haven't sinned or stumbled yet just give it time it'll happen but revelation 2 21 and i gave her space to repent of a fornication concerning the whore of rome and she repented not that's why you were told in chapter 18 of this great book to come out of the system because a system cannot be reformed the system has been earmarked for destruction it's like Sodom and Gomorrah God went down to see how many righteous there were and I gave the account last time and when he realized there were none righteous there were no decent people there apart from lots and his two daughters he destroyed the entire city the same is true of Babylon the Great now I appreciate that for some of you you've been a Catholic all your life and it's all you know but you have to make the break because if you don't make the break you will remain in a system which God is going to destroy you were told in the uh, book of James that friendship with the world is enmity with God in fact you were told that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of the Lord on top of that you are called an adulterer an adulteress and I believe the Catholic Church is very worldly now like I say most Catholics that go through the system don't actually obey the priests like they once did and you know, what happens is when those Catholics get older and get sick they start to panic get the priest in and the priest arrives and gives the Catholic the last rites and they hope the Catholic hopes that they're okay but the problem is that the Catholic has to confess all of his sins in order to even be offered the possibility to go to heaven and most Catholics forget to confess all of their sins on top of that most Catholics don't think certain sins are sins and therefore the Catholic Church invented a place called purgatory for the not-so-good people of course you know purgatory is a money-making scheme it's a racket and it's caused nothing but misery to many Catholics over these centuries when a thief hung on a cross the Lord said to him today thou shalt be with me in paradise and he got saved by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ no works involved whatsoever and that's a great picture of an Old Testament saint being saved and a New Testament saint being saved and that thief on the cross was no doubt on top of being a thief a murderer maybe a rapist who knows he was a pretty ungodly man I think we can agree on that and yet by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ he was saved straight away and you try and get a Muslim to tell you that his faith offers that or a Catholic or even a Protestant most Protestants hope they are saved most Protestants are so are keeping the so-called golden rule keeping the Ten Commandments and yet you know by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight and I gave a space to repent of a fornication spiritual and no doubt physical as well and she repented not the Catholic Church is what we call a surrogate Christ which means this that when you join the Catholic Church they will do everything for you literally from the cradle to the grave they will do everything for you and that's why I said last week that you don't need Jesus or the Word of God if you are a Catholic and yet for those of us which are born again ex-Catholics we couldn't live without the Word of God and we certainly couldn't go to heaven without Jesus Christ and yet Catholics are telling Muslims Jews Freemasons that they can go to heaven without believing 
on the Lord Jesus Christ. And before you get all upset about that, check your catechism, page 198. In fact, I've noticed over the years that most Catholics are in denial when it comes to people like myself speaking out concerning subjects such as this. Most Catholics are very ignorant as well concerning their religion. Most Catholics have no idea just how wicked their popes are going back to, I guess, the fourth century. And when Catholics study church history, and sometimes they do, they are shocked that their church murdered 50 million people from the fourth century going right up to the 19th century and even involving people in World War II people in the Balkans. In fact, when I was researching this some years ago, I was pretty surprised to learn that even Catholics were killed by their own church. Catholic priests and nuns, and members of the laity, were killed by their own church during the Inquisition, during the Crusades. And that's why I gave the scripture from uh, Revelation um, 12, how the beast turns on Catholic people, the beast being the papacy. But on top of that, the Catholic Church has killed Bible-believing Christians for centuries. And when they realized it wouldn't work, when they realized it simply caused even more people to be saved, they had to rethink all their tactics. And they decided to seduce the body of Christ. And that's why these televangelists are so successful. That's why they can pack stadiums. And most of these televangelists if not all of them, I should say, really, are very close to the Roman Catholic Church. In fact, ask yourself this. When was the last time you heard a televangelist or an evangelical preach against Rome or the Jesuits? How about never? 24. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and of which have not known the depths of Satan, as they speak, I'll put upon you none other burden. The depths of Satan. And here John tells you that this group didn't even know the depths of Satan. I think, as a Bible believer, saved 14 years, that many times I don't appreciate just how far he will go to deceive Bible believers. He's got the world in his pocket. He's called the God of this world. He's got the churches and most of the religions of the world in his pocket, and now he wants to get Bible believers in his pocket as well. Now we know, as Bible believers, that if we're saved, we are kept saved. But that doesn't mean we can't be seduced or deceived. I think there's been many people over the years that have got saved, and yet have somehow strayed into organized religion, false religions. I don't understand it, but I think that is certainly found in Scripture. In fact, there's a chap in 3 John, uh, and I did 3 John when I was in Switzerland, and he's an interesting character. I think his name was, uh, let's see now, De Trephus. De Trephus, 3 John 9, and he's a picture of the Antichrist. He's a picture of a false brother. And John condemns him, and John mentions in verse 10 from 3 John that uh, if I remember his deeds, which he doeth, pratting against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren. 
and forbiddeth them that would, and carteth them out of the church. Here's another picture of somebody who quite possibly got saved, although I won't uh, go, you know, won't go the extra mile and say he definitely was saved. I don't know, but he's a picture of somebody who could have been saved and yet strayed into error. And therefore, I think, reading through Revelation last week, that the Word of God does tell us that God has His people in Mystery Babylon. Revelation 18 and 4, come out of her, my people. You have seduced my servants. And that's why we don't want to be too dogmatic, and at the same time, we don't want to be too cruel to Catholic people, because my experience has been that Catholic people are, for the most part, victims of their own religion. Most priests that I knew growing up had gone through the Catholic system, and they went to junior seminary. Now, we don't really understand that today, because today most of the world is pretty secular, but I guess 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago, when some of these priests were growing up, if they'd come from Ireland, for example, or Italy or Spain, they were raised in Catholic families, and it was thought a great thing if your son would go into the priesthood. And many priests went into the priesthood to please their parents. In fact, we knew one priest who went into the priesthood, did the whole system, you know, seven years of training, and was a priest for, I think, 25, 30 years. And the moment his mother died, he took his collar off, and he said to the bishop, I'm out of here. I'm resigning the priesthood. And uh, he went to Spain, and the last we heard, he was running a bar there. That's a true story. Most priests go through the system to please their parents. Most priests know nothing else. And I'm talking about just you know, parish priests, just low-level priests. And they've lost their childhood. Now, we don't really understand that today, but in the Catholic Church, most priests, as I say, never had a childhood, went to the junior seminary, were ordained in their early 20s, and some of them in their 70s and 80s now. In fact, we knew one priest who was a friend of the family, and he said to Patrick, he said, what else can I do? I'm 72 now. This is all I've ever done. If I come out of the priesthood, what am I going to do with myself? And I thought, yeah, what is he going to do with himself? Most pastors who burn out, most pastors who lose their faith, stay put because they can't do anything else. They're in their 50s or their 60s, and therefore they stay put. I can't imagine anything worse than being in a system, Catholic or Protestant, or charismatic, orthodox, and not believing in any of it. And yet you do so because it's all you know, and on top of that, what else could you do? But I don't think we as Bible believers from 24 really appreciate the depths that Satan will go when it comes to deceiving us. He was very successful, was he not, in creating this whole hoax known as evolution? And I assume most of you know that Charles Darwin and uh, Julian Huxley were top degree Freemasons. I assume you know that, and therefore were theists by definition, because to be a Freemason you have to be a theist. And he was very good, the devil, uh, to get that theory up and running. And most churches no longer believe in creation. The Catholic Church, the Church of England, believe in theistic evolution. They're completely capitulated. They have completely abandoned the first 11 chapters of Genesis being literal. And I'll tell you this, if you don't hold to the first 11 chapters 
of Genesis being literal, then why would you take the first 11 chapters of Matthew or Mark or Luke or John as being literal either? On top of that, Satan has been so successful creating all these religions. Look at America, for example. Look at the 19th century. The Mormons spring up. The Christadelphians spring up. The Jehovah's Witnesses spring up. The Christian scientists spring up. The Seventh-day Adventists spring up. Charles Darwin comes along. And here we are, 200 years later, and such groups are still thriving. The Mormons are 13 million strong, and yet have no truth. Smith was a disgraced Freemason. Brigham Young was a sex pervert. The Jehovah's Witnesses are, what, seven million strong? Charles Taze Russell was a Knights Templar and also a sex-mad fanatic. Judge Rutherford was a drunk. It's just devastating. If you take all those groups together, you've got around probably 30 million people all over the world who think they are saved and yet they haven't known the depths of Satan. The moment you get the simplicity of Christ down, and very few people do, but the moment you get it down, the moment you lay hold on eternal life, the moment you make your calling election sure, the moment you receive Christ as your saviour, just by believing, the moment you get that down, you are so blessed, you wouldn't possibly imagine, and yet you will fight tooth and nail most of Christendom, because they will come against you and they will say, but you've got to do this, or you've got to do that, or you've got to stop doing this, or stop doing that. And yet you were told, were you not, in the Epistle of Jude, to contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. How can you contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints, if it keeps moving around, if it keeps changing? If it's set in stone, if the church is built, on the apostles and the prophets and Jesus Christ himself, how can you relay the foundation? Think about it. The church is built on the foundation, being the prophets, the apostles, and Christ Jesus himself. Now, you can build on that foundation. For example, you can build an extension. You can put a new roof on that building. You can put new windows in. You can put a new front door in, maybe a conservatory. But you don't need to rebuild it again. You don't need to knock it down and start again. The foundation has been built. It has been laid many times on the blood of the greats. So 24 one last time. But I say unto you, but unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, and I'm going to spiritualize this to the body of Christ today, as many as have not known this doctrine and which have not known the depths of Satan, as they speak, are put upon you none other burden. If you're not a Bible believer, if you're not in the Word of God, you've got no hope whatsoever of being able to resist the devil. And he will come along and he will just knock you for six. I don't care who you are. That's why you were told to be a Berean. That's why you were told to study the Word of God. And I put it to you this morning that if you're not reading this book every day, and I mean every day, you're never going to materialize into anything spectacular for the Lord. Being saved, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, 
saves you, and that's all very well, but you are expected to go on. You are, con you are expected to continue on in the grace of God. And you are expected to be a Berean. You are told to study the Word of God. Revelation 13, take a look, if you will, at verse 1, please. And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. Antichrist and the name of blasphemy. Some Bibles change that to names, plural, but here the Word of God tells you it's the name of blasphemy. The Antichrist will offer himself as the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Jews are going to fall for him. Catholics are going to fall for him. Muslims will think he's the twelfth Imam, and they will fall for him. The Buddhists will think he's the Maitreya, and I think the Freemasons will probably think he is Yabulon. Seven heads, seven heads, ten horns, ten crowns, simply denoting his power base, like I said last time, and he will control the world. Hold that thought. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as a feet of a bear, and his mouth as a mouth of a dragon. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. The seat of Rome, the throne of Rome. And if you look around the world, try and find any other system that comes anywhere near this description of authority. Seven, and it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. Rome still believes that they are in charge of the world. The Catholic Church believes that they have total supremacy over the world. In fact, the Catholic Church put an anathema on the Magna Carta. And the Catholic Church believed for years that when the Pope wore his triple tiara, he was Lord over the earth. Now, that slightly got changed during Vatican II, but they still hold to such a position. So I think to myself, although doctrinally, although prophetically, these verses are still to occur, reading them through the lens of a spiritual perspective, I'm going to continue to apply this to the papacy. Every pope is Antichrist. Every pope is a type of the Antichrist. And yet the Calvinists, those in Reformed circles, think that the office of the papacy is the Antichrist found in Scripture. That view didn't really exist until the 12th century. Now, I don't rule out the papacy being a type of the Antichrist for the Church Age. But I still go back to my last thought that the Antichrist, when he arrives during the Great Tribulation, once the body of Christ has been raptured, it's going to come probably from the political realm. And yet saying that, I will say this, that the Pope of Rome is political and also religious. The Catholic Church has their own army, their own secret service, their own banks. They are a city within a city. They are a government within a government. The Prime Minister of Italy, the President of Italy, if he wanted to, couldn't arrest the Pope. 
couldn't send Italian police into the Vatican to arrest a priest, a bishop, or a cardinal because it's on sovereign land, it's on sovereign soil, like I said last time. And yet most people think that the Catholic Church is just a religious institution, so-called Christian, it's not. And listen, they wouldn't offer themselves as Christians, they wouldn't name the name of Jesus Christ as their so-called saviour. I wouldn't spend any time making these types of videos against Rome. You know, I spend more time giving out tracts or making verse-by-verse -verse teachings. And of course, I still do those things, you understand, but because so many people are in this system, this surrogate Christ, it grieves me. And therefore, as a former Catholic, I feel qualified to speak out about this. And yet, one more time, most Catholics are in denial about their system. Most Catholics are ignorant about their system. And most Protestants, most Christians, want to turn a blind eye and not get involved in this subject. Seven again, and it was given unto him, Antichrist, to make war with the saints. Concerning those in the tribulation, to be precise, but spiritually, concerning those that have been saved, Bible believers at the church age, and to overcome them, kill them. 50 million, as I say. And power, authority was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. That old saying, you get the government that you deserve, kind of fits into this piece of scripture, does it not? You get the governments that you deserve. So Rome thinks it is top dog. Rome thinks it is able to control the world. And during the Great Tribulation, Rome will be, will be working hand in hand with the beast and ten kingdoms. Look at verse 16, please. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. If you find yourself in the Great Tribulation, don't take the mark of the beast. If you find yourself in the Tribulation, and if you take the mark of the beast in the tribulation, you are damned. There's no going back. And I know some people are trying to suggest that those that take the mark can still be redeemed. No, you can't. If you find yourself in the tribulation, never take the mark of the beast. Don't take the mark of the beast. And people say, well, if I don't take it, I'm going to die. Well, the Lord was able to sustain the children of Israel, was he not, for 40 years in the wilderness? If he was able to look after one, two, three million Jews for 40 years, I think he can take care of those that go into the tribulation, those that get saved in the tribulation for, what, seven years? It's interesting that it says in the right hand. I mean in, actually inside the right hand. And not on, but in the forehead. And here we are, 2016, and animals are being chipped, having plants put in to their bodies. There was a news report on the BBC not long ago, a journalist was foolish enough to have a plant put into his right hand. But like Daniel back in the Old Testament, true saints will never take the mark of the beast. And therefore you ask yourself, well, if that's the case, why does God 
tell you not to take the mark of the beast because God, like he did back in the Gospels, would preach the Gospel to everybody, even the Pharisees. And yes, he knew they wouldn't be saved, but he did it nevertheless. And that's the grace of God. Here is wisdom, 18. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. For his number is of a man, and his number is 603 score and six. Six, six, six. And we got it today. If you watch any music video, if you come across any pop album, or if you listen to any of these people in the entertainment world, they worship the devil. And they too don't realize the depths that he's gone to to literally take them over. I would say every pop star in the world has been completely taken over by the devil. 666, the one eye, swaying allegiance to the Illuminati. They've sold their souls for rock and roll. In fact, if you want to understand this, there's a video by that very name on YouTube. I think it's a 12-part series called They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll, and it's devastating. I mean, if you get a chance to watch it, and please do, you see just how widespread this whole thing is. So the number of the beast is the number of a man, and his number is 600, three score and six, 666. That's the number of the Antichrist. So whatever you do, if you find yourself in the tribulation, if you get saved in the tribulation, don't take the mark of the beast. And I think when the tribulation begins, we, no, we're not going to be here, thankfully, praise the Lord, but what I think is going to happen is the two witnesses and the 144,000 are going to really open up the Word of God. They're going to further elaborate on the deeper things of Scriptures. When I read the Word of God, I struggle to grasp the deeper things of Scripture. And I've come to the conclusion that I guess I'm not meant to go any deeper into Scripture. I guess living in the church age as a saved sinner, I know what I need to know for the church age. And I haven't got time for people who speculate. You can do that on some things, but not on all things. And I think, therefore, when the raptures occurred, and we've been taken out of this world, and the Lord turns to Israel and the world in general, the two witnesses are going to really open up the Word of God, along with the 144,000. Go to Revelation 17. Take a look, if you will, at verse 1. And there came one of seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, and I will show unto thee the judgments of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. I'm going to show you, John, the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of a fornication. If you were to speak to a Catholic and ask him or her to deal with these verses, what they will say to you is that this is concerning pagan Rome, not papal Rome. But the problem with that is that John spent his whole life as a subject to pagan Rome, as did the Lord Jesus Christ, as did all of the apostles and prophets. So that doesn't really wash. So he carried me away in a spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sit 
upon a scarlet-coloured beast, full of names of blasphemy, now it's plural, having seven heads and ten horns. Holy Father is blasphemy. The Vicar of Christ is blasphemy. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet colour, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in a hand full of abominations and filthiness of a fornication. Purple and scarlet are papal colours. Just look at any cardinal. This whore is decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. She's a very wealthy system. She's a very wealthy church. She's a very wealthy institution. In fact, when I went to Israel some years ago, I was shocked to be told that the Catholic Church owns most of Israel. Having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of a fornication. I think to myself, the Eucharist. Now we believe as Bible believers, Patrick and I, that it's important to break bread every Sunday, and we do that. And we believe that we are to confess our sins before we take of the bread. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. But we don't believe that the bread becomes the literal flesh of the Lord, or the juice becomes the literal blood of the Lord. And Rome calls that transubstantiation. Like I said last time, the priest thinks he is able to turn the wafer into the body of the Lord and the wine into the blood of the Lord. So this term for golden cup, I still appreciate this is concerning future events, tribulation, but spiritually I can't help thinking of the Eucharist because when they hold up the Eucharist, the Catholic genuflex, he or she goes down on their knees, they think they are literally in the presence of deity. And yet, when the Word of God tells us that his name will be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us, that was true for the children of Israel, but when Emmanuel, when Emmanuel went back to heaven, he sent the Holy Ghost to live within us. You see, even that gets overlooked by many people. Many Catholics think that just to have God with us is something to uh, be happy about, which of course it is. Emmanuel, for the believing Jewish remnant during the Gospels. But how about God in us? I mean, actually living within us. How about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost living within us? That gets overlooked many times. Full of abominations and filthiness of a fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. The mother of harlots, Holy Mother Church. The great whore which sitteth upon many waters. Mystery Babylon sitting upon a scarlet-coloured beast. And I saw the woman, verse 6, drunken with the blood of the saints. That's you and I, if you're born again. And with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. Tribulation saints, like I said last time. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Because this is papal Rome. If it was pagan Rome, John would have known that. This is papal Rome. And John's saying to himself, what am I looking at here? This massive system claiming to be a Christian institution, claiming to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet killing his people, murdering his people, even turning on its own people. This whore 
this mystery Babylon cannot be redeemed. It is beyond redemption. And that's why I fail to understand why people that get saved or are saved in the system stay in there. Come out. Look at verse uh, 16, please. And the ten horns, which are sowest upon the beast, these shall make the uh, these shall hate the whore, excuse me, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn with fire. The ten horns from 16 are probably from Europe, a ten horn kingdom, which thou sowest upon the beast, Antichrist, these shall hate the whore, the Catholic Church, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. There's no hope for this system, and I keep saying that, but it's worth repeating myself. Book of 17, for God hath put it in their hearts to fulfill his will, and to agree, and give their kingdom unto the beast, and to the words of God shall be fulfilled. God will put it into the hearts of the beast and these ten kings to destroy the whore. It's going to start off all very well. Antichrist and the false prophet, the terrible two, are going to work hand in hand with the whore, the unholy trinity, and when it pleases the Lord, just before Christ comes back, they're going to turn on the whore and destroy it. And that is pictured <coughs> throughout history. For example, God would raise up the Third Reich to attack Europe, and many parts of Europe were Catholic, and they either worked with the Nazis or capitulated, and then he raised up Russia to destroy the Third Reich, along with Britain and America, of course, but Russia did most of the fighting because Russia had most of the manpower. That's also pictured back in the Old Testament. The Lord would raise up uh, the Persians, uh, the Grecians, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, they would all kill each other. 18. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city, Rome, which reigneth over the kings of the earth. Political leaders and also so-called Christian leaders. So I think, as I conclude this message that on the one hand we are told that there's no hope for such people and if they come out they're going to be received unto the Lord and yet look at 17.9 and here's the mind which hath wisdom the seven heads are the seven mountains on which a woman sitteth Rome sits on seven mountains this is papal Rome but I appreciate, one more time, that if you are in this system, if you are part of this system, if you've been in this system all your life, it's going to be painful to make the break. And yet, I guarantee you that if you do make the break, you will be so blessed by Almighty God that you're never going to look back and you'll rejoice in the Lord and His finished work on the cross. So, this will be my Final part, for now anyway, I think, on the subject of the Catholic Church and also when the whore gets destroyed, the daughters of the whore will be destroyed as well. And that's why I think pretty much all of Christendom is now in the pockets 
of the Catholic Church. There's no hope for such people. And yes, the Lord has a small minority of believing people, a small remnant, like Jeremiah, back in the Old Testament, like the Apostles and the Gospels. And this is why I keep saying that Rome may boast of having a billion people worldwide that are in their system, in its system, part of its surrogate set up. But the Word of God told us how few are going to find the gate. Few are going to find the entrance into heaven. Not many, but few. And therefore, I don't understand how a billion people or 1.3 billion, I think that's what the Catholics now claim to have in their system, are all going to make it into heaven. I mean, if you think a billion is what a quarter of the Earth's population, I just don't see how all those people are going to make it into glory. But I look around the UK, I look around Europe and beyond, and I see very few Bible believers trying to contend for the faith actually born again, washed in the blood. And that's why I said last time that the majority have always been wrong. Most of the children of Israel, most of their elite, didn't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Only a very few did. And that's why Jesus told us from, I think it's Luke 18, that when the Son of Man comes back, will he find much faith on the earth? And the answer is very little faith on the earth, because most people are going to burn out. Most people are going to capitulate. Most people are going to throw the lot in with the Antichrist and take the mark of the beast. And that's why I think most people are going to burn when they die. And yet, if you would turn to the Saviour, if you would trust on Him, believe in Him, and take His righteousness instead of your own, you could be saved. You will be saved. But if you don't, if you won't, if you think you know best, if you continue to try and work your way into heaven by being a good Catholic, so-called, a good Protestant, so-called, or a good Bible believer, so-called, then you're going to perish. You need his righteousness. The thief on the cross got it. But if you think you can make it your own way, you're going to be sadly deceived. You're going to be absolutely devastated, and he will say to you, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. And off you go into the lake of fire. So there you are. I've said all I wanted to say for today. It's a very beautiful day. I'm somewhat in the shade. I'm not quite sure why, but uh, sometimes it's best to get out of the sun. You get too much sun, you get cancer. Uh, and on top of that, it's uh, still a bit windy, so I guess I'm trying to get out of the wind. But uh, like I said, I'm back at the open air pulpit, and I'm glad to be back at the open air pulpit. And it is really quite glorious as I stand here today. And I don't know what else to say other than God is so gracious to allow me to commandeer this place to speak about the things of the Lord. And I also think that what's probably going to happen between now and his return is that the church building system will continue to diminish. Sure, you'll have people joining. Sure, people will continue to be a part of it. And sure, people will continue to tithe to it. But I think those that love the Lord, those that are truly His, are going to come out and either worship on their own, like Jeremiah would do, or they're going to meet with other like-minded people. In fact, Jeremiah, I think it's in chapter 17, 
spoke about he'd rather worship the Lord in his own. He didn't want to sit in the assembly of the mockers. There's a great picture of separation coming out from a false system. It won't be easy for you. Some of you are going to find that very difficult. But let me say this to you. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you know him, if you love his word, if you believe his word, if you read his word every day, what more do you need? I mean, he should be more than enough for you. And yet, as I keep saying, a lot of people need to see something. A lot of people want to be part of a system. People want to belong somewhere to something. It goes back to tribalism. And I understand that. It's human nature. And yet, what I don't understand is why people put up with falsehood. Why people put up with heresy and blasphemy. When they were told to come out, they were told to be separated from such people. Friendship with the world is enmity with the Lord. You adulterers and adulteresses, love not the world, neither the things of the world. If any man loves the things of the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So what a great shot to leave you all with. And uh, if you are a Catholic, take this video in love, if you will. I'm not against you personally, but I'm against your system. And if you are an ex-Catholic or a non-Catholic and uh, you are trying to reach your Catholic friends for the Lord, hang in there. Keep praying for them. Share the truth of Scripture with them. And try and avoid foolish arguments over genealogies. Try and avoid getting into the pitfall of arguing about who was the first Pope or who gave you the Bible. That's all pointless arguments. The Word of God was written by saved Jews, not Catholics, not Protestants, not Orthodox men, but saved Jews. And therefore, try to avoid some of these silly arguments, these pointless disputes about the papacy and authority, so on and so forth. If you are born again, you have the authority from Almighty God to do what you do for Him. You don't need some church system to give you that authority. It comes automatically via the new birth and try not to get uh, too bogged down as well with uh, certain self-righteous Catholics there's far more fish in the sea one thing I forgot to say is that when we as ex-Catholics or Bible believers speak to Catholics one of the mistakes that we sometimes make is that we say to them are you born again and of course they think they are born again when of course they are not and they think that when they got baptized like total immersion or infant baptism or receiving the Eucharist that somehow that is what it means to be born again that of course is incorrect if you know anything about the Word of God you know that salvation is a free gift it comes through receiving Christ as your Savior that's all it is as simple as that I mean you get baptized after you are saved of course but you don't get baptized in order to be saved. And Paul would tell you in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I think it's verse 17, how Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. People say, why would he say that? Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Being baptized doesn't save you. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and then you are baptized to show the world that you are born again. It's like this, when you get born again, you are made alive from within, which only the Lord can see, because the Lord looks on the heart. 
Whereas man looks on the outward appearance. And then you get baptized. So the world can see that you're born again. It was uh, once put something along the lines of this, that baptism is an outward work of an inward work. Baptism is a reflection of what has occurred inside. And therefore, if you are born again, and if you can get baptized by total immersion, you should do so. But don't trust in that to save you. Again, go back to what I said at the beginning of this message. The thief on the cross believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and was saved. For by grace are you saved by faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So don't make the mistake of asking a Catholic, are you born again? Because he's not born again. He hasn't been regenerated. He's trusting in his church, his sacraments, his priest, Mother Mary, and who knows what else to save him. And he's just as lost as an atheist or Muslim or Buddhist in your street. So we need to witness to Catholics and I will make more videos down the line looking at more detail, looking in more detail at what they believe and hold to. But just wanted to add this as a final PS to the message uh, because we are expected as Christians to win souls to the Lord and those of us which have come out of organized religion, we have a great burden, a heaviness uh, to witness to those people. It's like Muslims, they get saved, they want their Islamic family and friends to be saved. And that's why Paul would lament over Israel. He wanted to be accursed if it meant Israel being saved. And that's another great scripture to uh, dismantle this false notion that everyone's going to be saved. If that were the case, why preach the gospel? Why be ambassadors for Christ? I mean, to be an ambassador for Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, means you've got a remit, you've got a role, you've got a purpose. In fact, if you are saved and still living on this earth, there's work for you to do. And uh, like I said before, when I arrive in eternity, it'd be nice to think I've got some legacy away to me. I don't expect to get many crowns, but I hope to have something to look back on and uh, to be thankful for. You know, I wasn't just saved to sit around doing my own thing. So just bear that in mind, if you will. And uh, if you want some more information, if you want some more advice as to how to win uh, Catholics to the Lord, contact our ministry. We've got a lot of material which we can share with you. But don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't keep going over the same old ground with the same old people. And uh, don't get bogged down either with some of the politics that goes with this whole rigmarole of I'm in the one true church or there's over a billion of us, big deal. As I say, the majority throughout the entire world have always been on the wrong side of the Lord. It's always been the minority that have been the truth. So they are from a glorious open air pulpit. Don't lose faith, keep on going. Pray until you pray. And uh, if you want some tracks from us or DVDs, let us know. We'll do what we can to get them out to you. And the Lord will bless you in all that you do for him. That's all. Speak to you all very soon. Maranatha and God bless you.